But packed in a mass, the Trojans came on pounding, Hector leading the way with long leaping strides, and heading the van in person came the god Apollo, shoulders wrapped in cloud, gripping the storm shield, the tempest terror dazzling, tassels flaring along its front. The bronzesmith god of fire gave it to Zeus to bear and strike fear in men, and Apollo gripped it now, locked in his two fists as he led the Trojans on. But packed in a mass, the Argives stood their ground, deafening cries of battle breaking from both sides as whipping arrows leapt away from bowstrings. Shards of spears raining from daring hardy arms went deep into soldiers' bodies quick to fight, but showers of others cut short halfway before they could graze glistening skin, stuck in the ground, still lusting to sink in flesh. Long as Apollo held the storm shield firm in his grasp, the weapons hurtled side to side and men kept falling. But once he looked the fast Achaean drivers square in the eyes, shook the shield and loosed an enormous battle cry himself, Apollo stunned the high courage in all their chests. They lost their grip, forgot their fighting fury. Routed like herds of cattle or big flocks of sheep when two wild beasts stampede them away in terror, suddenly pouncing down in their midst, pitch darkness, the shepherd off and gone. So the defenceless Argives panicked, routed. Apollo hurled fear in their hearts and handed Hector and all his Trojans instant glory. Their man killed man in the mad scatter of battle. Hector finished Stichius, finished Arcesilaus off, the one a chief of Boeotians armed in bronze, the other brave Menelaus's trusty comrade. Aeneas slaughtered Medon and Iasus outright, Medon the bastard son of royal King Oelius little Ajax's brother. But Medon lived in Phylicy, banished from native land. He'd killed a kinsman dear to Oelius's wife, his stepmother Ariopis. But Iasus became a captain of Athens's troops. Sphelus's son he was called, and Bucalus's grandson. Polydamus killed Mesistius. Polides cut down Echius first in the onset, dashing Agenor cut down Clonius, and Paris lanced Deiochus deep below the shoulder, ran him through from behind as he fled the front, and the bronze spear came jutting out his chest. While the Trojans tore the war gear off the bodies, Argives clambered back in a tangled mass, scrambling back through the sharp stakes and deep pit of the trench, fleeing left and right, forced inside the rampart. So Hector commanded his Trojans, sounding out, Now storm the ships! Drop those bloody spoils! Any straggler I catch hanging back from the fleet? Right here on the spot I'll put that man to death. No kin, no women commit his corpse to the flames. The dogs will tear his flesh before our walls. With a full shoulder stroke he flogged his horses on, loosing a splitting war cry down the Trojan ranks, and all cried back in answer, a savage roar rising, driving teams and chariots close in line with his. And Apollo far in the lead, the gods' feet kicking the banks of the deep trench down with the gods' ease, tumbled earth in the pit between, bridging it with a dike immense and wide and long as a hurtling spear will fly when a man makes practice cast to test his strength. Holding formation now, the Trojans rolled across it, Apollo heading them, gripping the awesome storm shield, and he tore that Argive rampart down with the same ease some boy at the seashore knocks sandcastles down. He no sooner builds his playthings up, child's play, then he wrecks them all with hands and kicking feet just for the sport of it. God of the wild cry, Apollo, so you wreck the Achaeans' work, 
and drove the men who had built it up with all that grief and labour into headlong panic rout. Achaean stampeding back till they reined in hard, huddling tight by the sterns and shouting out to each other, flung their arms to all the immortals, each man crying out a prayer. But none as rapt as Nestor, Achaea's watch and ward, who stretched his hands to the starry skies and prayed, Father Zeus, if ever in Argos' golden wheatlands one of us burned the fat thighs of sheep or bulls, and begged a safe return and you promised with a nod, remember it now, Olympian. Save us from this ruthless day. Don't let these Trojans mow us down in droves. So he pleaded, and hearing the old man's prayers, Zeus, who rules the world, let loose a great crack of thunder, rending the skies. But Trojans, thrilled at the sound of Zeus's thunder, pitched themselves at the Argives still more fiercely, summoning up their fiery lust for battle. Like a giant breaker rearing up on the rangy seas, crashing over a ship's sides, driven in by the winds and the blast builds the comber's crushing impact, a hoarse roar. Trojans stormed over the rampart, lashing their teams to fight against the ships, hurling their two-edged spears at close range there. Trojans from lurching cars, but Achaeans from high decks, scrambling aloft black hulls, lunged down with the long pikes, jointed and clinched and tipped with ripping bronze. They kept on board for bloody fights at sea. Now, as long as the armies fought to take the rampart, Far from the fast ships, Patroclus sat it out in his friend Eurypylus' shelter, trying to lift the soldier's heart with stories, applying soothing drugs to his dreadful wound as he sought to calm the black waves of pain. But soon as he heard the Trojans storm the wall, and shouts rise from Achaeans lost in panic rout, Patroclus gave a groan, and slapping his thighs hard with the flats of both hands burst forth in anguish. I can't stay here with you any longer, Eurypylus! Much as you need me, there, a great battle breaks. No, let an aid attend you here while I rush back to Achilles, spur him into combat. Who knows, with God's help I just might rouse him now. Bring his fighting spirit round at last. The persuasion of a comrade has its powers. With the last words, his feet sped him on. Meanwhile, the Argives blocked the Trojan assault, but they still could not repel them from the fleet, outnumbering them as they did. Nor could the Trojans once break through the Argives' bulking forward mass and force their passage through to ships and shelters. Tense as a chalk line marks the cut of a ship timber, drawn taut and true in a skilled shipwright's hands, some master craftsman trained in Athena's school, so tense the battle line was drawn, dead even. Some forces at some ships, some clashing at others, but Hector charged head-on at Ajax, braced for battle, and both warriors fought it out for a single vessel. Nor could Hector burst through and ignite the hull, nor Ajax drive him back. A god drove Hector on. And here came Kalita, son of Trojan Clytius, sweeping fire against the prow, but famous Ajax stopped him short with a spear that stabbed his chest. Down he crashed, the torch dropped from his fist right before Hector's eyes. He watched his cousin sprawl in the dust before the huge black ship and gave a stirring cry to all his units. Trojans! Lycians! Darden fighters hand to hand! Don't yield an inch, not in these bloody straits! 
Rescue Kalito before the Argives strip his gear. He's down! He's dead by the ships that crowd the beach! As he raised that cry, he flung his spear at Ajax, but the glinting metal missed, and he hit Mastor's son, Lycophron. Ajax's friend in arms, Cythera born, yet he lived with Ajax once he'd killed a man on Cythera's holy shores. Hector killed him now with wetted bronze, cleaving his skull above the ear as he stood by Ajax. Down off the ship's stern he dropped, his back slamming the ground, his limbs slack in death. And Ajax shuddered, calling out to his brother, Tusa, my friend! Our trusted comrade's dead! Master's son who came our way from Cythera! We lived in our halls together, prized the man as we prized our beloved parents. Hector's killed him! Hurry! Where are your arrows fletched with death? Where is the bow that God Apollo gave you? Tusa took the challenge. Rushed to his side, and reflex bow in hand and quiver bristling shafts, he loosed a splattering burst against the Trojans. He picked off Clytus, Pisidon's shining son, the charioteer to noble Pantheus' son Polydamus. Wrestling the reins, struggling to head his horses straight for the point where most battalions panicked, eager to please Prince Hector and all his Trojans. Clytus raced on, but his death came even faster. No one could save him now, strain as they did. A sudden arrow jabbed him behind the neck, pierced him with pain, and out the car he hurtled, horses rearing in terror, empty chariot clattering off. But their master Polydamus marked the killer at once, ran and planted himself across the horse's path, and handed them on to Proteaean's son Astinus, shouting strict commands. Watch my every move, keep the team close by, then veering away himself back again to grapple frontline troops. But Tusa, quick with his next shaft, the archer aimed at Hector, at Hector's brazen crest, and would have stopped his assault on Argive ships, hit him squarely and torn his life out just as his courage peaked. But he could not dodge the lightning mind of Zeus. Standing guard over Hector, Zeus tore the glory right from Tusa's grasp. He snapped the twisted cord on his handsome bow just as the archer drew it taut against his man, and the weighted bronze shaft skittered off to the side. The bow dropped from his hand, and Teusa shuddered, calling out to his brother. Oh, what luck! Look, some power cuts us out of the fighting, foils our plans! He's knocked the bow from my grip! Snap the string! The fresh gut I tied to the weapon just at dawn to launch the showers of arrows I let fly. Too bad, my friend, said Ajax. Leave them there. That bow and spill of arrows down on the ground. A god with a grudge against us wrecks them all. Take up a long spear. Shield on your shoulder. Go for the Trojans. Urge your troops to battle. Maybe they've whipped us here, but not without a fight will they take our benched ships. Call up the joy of war. At that, his brother dropped his bow in a shelter, slung a shield on his shoulder, four plies thick. Over his powerful head he set a well-forged helmet, the horsehair crest atop it tossing, bristling terror. And taking a rugged spear shaft tipped with wetted bronze, the archer went on the run to stand by Ajax's side. But Hector, seeing Teusa's arrows in disarray, let fly a resounding shout to all his units.
Trojans, Lycians, Dardan fighters hand to hand! Fight like men, my friends! Call up your battle fury! Make for the hollow ships! I see with my own eyes how Zeus has blocked their finest archer's arrows! Easy to see what help Zeus lends to mortals! Either to those he gives surpassing glory, or those he saps and wastes, refuses to defend. Just as he wastes the Argive's power but backs us now. So fight by the ships all together. And that comrade who meets his death and destiny, speared or stabbed, let him die. He dies fighting for fatherland. No dishonor there. He'll leave behind him wife and sons unscathed, his house and estate unharmed. Once these Argives sail for home, the fatherland they love. That was his cry, as Hector put fresh fighting spirit in each man. But Ajax fired the troops on his side, too. Shame, you Argives! All or nothing now. Die, or live and drive defeat from the ships. You want this flashing Hector to take the fleet, then each man walk the waves to regain his native land? Can't you hear him calling his armies on? Full force this Hector, while to gutter hulls with fire. He's not inviting them to a dance, believe me. He commands them into battle. No better tactics now than to fight them hand to hand with all our fury. Quick, better to live or die once and for all than die by inches, slowly crushed to death, helpless against the hulls in the bloody press by far inferior men. And that was Ajax's cry, as the giant put fresh fighting spirit in each man. But Hector cut down Skedius now, Paramedus' son, a Phocian chieftain, and Ajax killed Laodamus, captain of infantry, Antinor's splendid son, and Polydamus killed Selenian Othus outright, Megius' friend, one of the proud Epeans' leaders. Megius saw him drop. He lunged at Polydamus fast, but he ducked and veered away and Megius missed him. Apollo was not about to let him fall at the front, not Panthous' son. But Megis did hit Crismus, stabbed him square in the chest with a thrusting lance, and down he crashed, with Megis tearing the armor off his back as the Trojan dollops lunged at him. A crack spearman, Laomedon's grandson, Lampus's big and brawny son, the strongest he sired, the best trained for assault. Dollops quickly went for Megis at close range. He speared his bulging shield, but the solid breastplate warded off the blow, with both plates fitted tight to bind his body. The gear his father brought from Ephira once, the Celia's banks were his hosts, the Lord Euphetus gave him that sturdy bronze to wear in battle, to beat off the bloody attacks of desperate men, and now it saved his son's young flesh from death. So Megis chopped at the crown of Dollops's bronze helmet, split its spiny ridge with a sharp cleaving spear, and sheared away its bristling horsehair crest. Down in the dust the war gear tumbled, all still glistening bright in its fresh purple dye, but the man stood his ground, still rearing to fight, his hopes still soaring for triumph. But now Menelaus, Atrides out for blood, moved in to fight for Megis, spear poised in his grip, in from the blind side, and struck from behind the Trojan's shoulder so hard the spear came jutting out through his chest in all its fury, and Dollops reeled and sank, face down on the ground. The two men swarmed over him, ripping the armor off his back as Hector called his kinsmen on, 
all his kinsmen but marked out Hecateon's son, the strong Melanippus, railing first at him. He used to graze his shambling herds in Pacodi, long ago when the enemy's forces stood far off. But once the rolling ships of Achaea swept ashore, home he came to Troy, where he shone among the Trojans, living close to Priam, who prized him like his sons. But Hector rebuked him now, shouting out his name. Melanippus, how can we take things lying down this way? No qualm in your heart for this? Your cousin's dead. Can't you see how they're clawing over Dolops's armor? Follow me now. No more standing back, no fighting these Argives at a distance. Kill them hand to hand. Now, before they topple towering Ilium down, all our people slaughtered. So with a shout he surged ahead, and his gallant cohort followed. But great Telamonian Ajax spurred his Argives on. Be men, my friends. Discipline fill your hearts. Dread what comrades say of you here, in bloody combat. When men dread that, more men come through alive. When soldiers break and run, goodbye glory, goodbye all defences. Up in arms as they were to shield themselves, they took his word to heart, and round the ships they raised the wall of bronze. But against them, Zeus impelled the Trojan ranks, as Menelaus, lord of the war cry, urged Antilochus. None of the younger troops, Antilochus. None is faster afoot than you, or tougher in combat. Why not leap right in and lay some Trojan out? Menelaus withdrew as he drove Antilochus on. Out of the front he sprang, glaring left and right, and hurled his spear, a glinting brazen streak, and the Trojans scattered, cringing before his shaft. No wasted shot. Antilochus hit Hecateon's son, impetuous Melanippus sweeping into battle, slashed him across the chest beside the nipple. Down he crashed, and the darkness swirled his eyes, with Antilochus rushing over him like some hound, pouncing down on a deer that's just been wounded. Leaping out of its lair, a hunter speared it, a lethal hit that's loosed its springy limbs. So staunch Antilochus leapt at you, Melanippus. Stripping away your gear. But Hector marked it now, and straight through the ruck he charged Antilochus hard. Quick as that fighter was, he could not hold his ground. Not there. He turned tail and broke like a rogue beast that's done some serious damage, mauled a dog to death or a herdsman tending flocks, and takes to his heels before the gangs of men can group and go against him. So Antilochus turned and ran as a savage cry went up, and Hector and all his Trojans showered deadly shafts in hot pursuit. But he wheeled and stood his ground when he reached his thronging cohorts. Now to the ships, now like a pride of man-eating lions, the Trojan forces stormed the fleet, fulfilling Zeus's strict commands as Zeus kept building their fury higher, stunned the Argive spirit and wrenched away their glory, lashing Trojans on. The father's will was set on giving glory over to Hector, son of Priam, that he might hurl his torch at the beaked ships, the force of fire, quenchless, ravening fire, yes, and bring to its bitter end the disastrous prayer of Thetis. For that alone he waited, the god who rules the world, to see with his own eyes the first Achaean ship go up in a blaze of flames, then from that point on, he'd thrust the Trojans' breakneck back from the fleet and give the Argives glory. 
dead set now on that, he drove Prince Hector against the hollow hulls, though the son of Priam raged in his own right. Raged like Ares with brandished spear, or flash fire roaring down from a ridge into thick stands of timber. The foam flecked his mouth and his eyes shot flame, glaring under his shaggy brows and round his head his helmet shook and clashed, a terrific wild din. Hector on the attack and high in the clear sky Zeus himself defended his champion. Hector alone he prized and glorified among hordes of men, for Hector's life would be cut short so soon. Why, even now Athena was speeding the fatal day when he would fall to the power of great Achilles. But now he was bent on breaking men, probing the lines whenever he saw the largest mass and the finest gear, but he could not smash through yet for all his fury. They closed ranks, they packed like a stone wall, a granite cliff that towers against the churning surf, standing up to the screaming winds, their sudden assaults, and the breaking waves they spawned that crash against its base. So the Danaeans stood the Trojan onslaught, rock solid and never flinched in fear. But Hector, all afire, blazing head to foot, charged at their main force, bursting down as a wave bursts down on a veering ship, down from under the clouds it batters, bred by gale winds. Showers of foam overwhelm the hull, blot it from all sight. The hurricane's killing blast thundering into their sails, and scudding clear of death by the skin of their teeth, the sailors quake. Their hearts race on with terror. So the Achaeans' courage quaked. And Hector lunged again like a murderous lion mad for kills, charging cattle grazing across the flats of a broad marshy pasture, flocks by the hundred led by an unskilled herdsman, helpless to keep the marauder off a long horn heifer. No fighting that bloody slaughter. All he can do is keep pace with the lead or straggling heads, leaving the centre free for the big cat's pounce, and it eats a heifer raw as the rest stampede away. And so the Achaeans stampeded now, unearthly terror, all of them routed now by Father Zeus and Hector, though Hector killed just one. Periphides, a Mycenaean, favourite son of Copreus, Eurystheus' herald, who summoned rugged Heracles time and again to grinding labours. Copreus, yes, that worthless father who sired a better son, better at every skill, primed for speed and war, and his wits outstripped the best in all Messini. But all of it went now to build Prince Hector's glory. As the Argive spun in retreat, his shield-rim tripped him. Down to his feet that shield he bore to keep off spears, he stumbled over it now, pitched back, helmet clanging harshly against his brows as the man hit the ground. But Hector marked him at once, rushed up to his side and staked the spear in his chest to kill the fighter right in the eyes of loyal comrades standing by. Sick for their friend, but what could they do? Nothing. Just shake with dread in the face of mighty Hector. Now the Achaeans milled along the shipways, shielded round by the looming superstructures, stern on stern, drawn up on the first line inland. But the Trojans stormed them there, and back they fell. They had no choice, edging away from the front ships, but once at the tents nearby they held their ground, massing ranks, no scattering back through camp. Their proud discipline gripped them. Terror, too. 
they rallied each other non-stop, war cries rising. Noble Nestor was first, Achaea's watch and ward, pleading, begging each man for his parents' sake. Be men, my friends! Discipline fill your hearts! Maintain your pride in the eyes of other men! Remember each of you, sons, wives, wealth, parents, a mother and father dead or alive. No matter, I beg you for their sakes, loved ones far away. Now stand and fight. No turning back. No panic. With that, he put new strength in each man's spirit. Athena thrust from their eyes the blinding battle haze, the darkness sent by the gods, and a hard, bright light burst down in both directions, out to the ships and down the lines where fighting drew dead even. Now they could make out Hector, lord of the war cry, all his troops, squads in reserve and clear of battle, forward squads that fought at the fast trim ships. Ajax's challenge. How could it please his courage still to hang back now, where other Achaeans held the rear? No more. Up and down the decks of the ships he went with his great plunging strides, swinging in hand his enormous polished pike for fights at sea, clamped with clinchers twenty-two forearms long. Ajax skilled as a show rider, a virtuoso horseman who picks from the herd four stallions, yokes them tight and galloping off the plain comes racing toward a large city. Over a traffic road and the crowds gaze in wonder, men and women watching as sure-footed, never a slip, the rider keeps on leaping, swinging from back to back and the pounding team flies on. So Ajax swung now leaping from deck to deck on the fast-trimmed ships, ranging with huge strides as his voice hit the skies, keeping up a terrific bellowing, calling Argives on to defend the ships and shelters. And Hector, too. How could he hold back with his massing armor Trojans? Now, like a flashing eagle swooping down on bird flocks, winged thousands feeding, swarming a river's banks, geese, cranes or swans with their long lancing necks. So swooping Hector went headfirst at a warship, charged its purple prow, and Zeus behind him thrust him on with his mighty, deathless hand, urging the soldiers on who crowded Hector's back. And again a desperate battle broke at the ships. You'd think they waded into the fighting, fresh troops, unbruised, unbroken. They fought with such new fire. And what were the fighters thinking? Only this. The Argives certain they'd never flee the worst. They'd perish then and there. But the hope soared in every Trojan's heart to torch the ships and slaughter Argive heroes. So ran their thoughts, closing for the kill. At last, Hector grappled a ship's stern, a beauty built for speed. It swept the seas with Protesilaus, bore him to Troy, but never bore him back to his fatherland again. Now churning round that ship, Achaeans and Trojans hacked each other at close range. No more war at a distance, waiting to take the long flights of spears and arrows. They stood there man to man and matched their fury killing each other now with hatchets, battle-axes, big swords, two-edged spears, and many a blade. Magnificent, heavy-hilted and thonged in black, lay strewn on the ground. Some dropped from hands, some fell as the fighters' shoulder-straps were cut, 
and the earth ran black with blood. And Hector held fast. He never let go of the high stern. He hugged its horn, arms locked in a death grip, crying out to Trojans. Bring fire! Up with the war cries all together! Now Zeus hands us a day worth all the rest. Today we seize these ships! They stormed the shore against the will of the gods. They came here freighted with years of pain for us. And all thanks to our city elders. What cowards! Whenever I longed to fight at the ship's high sterns, the old men kept me back. They held the troops in check. Oh, but if Zeus's lightning blinded us those days, it's Zeus who drives us, hurls us on today. The harder he cried, the harder his forces charged against the Argives. Not even Ajax held his post. No longer now, forced by the shafts, he backed away by inches, certain he'd die there. Down he leapt from the decks, down to bestride the seven-foot bridge amidships. There he stood, tensing, braced to take them on. His huge pike kept beating the Trojans off the hulls, any attacker flinging tireless fire. And all the time that terrible voice of his bellowing out to cohorts. Friends! Fighting Danaeans! Aids in arms of Ares! Fight like men, my comrades! Call up your battle fury! You think we have reserves in the rear to back us up? Some stronger wall to shield our men from disaster? No, there's no great citadel standing near with towers where we could defend ourselves and troops could turn the tide. No, we're here on the plain of Troy, all Troy's in arms. Dug in? Backs to the sea? Land of our fathers far away. Fight! The light of safety lies in our fighting hands, not spines gone soft in battle. And with each cry he thrust his slashing pike with a fresh new fury. And any Trojan crashing against the beaked ships, torch ablaze in hand, straining to please Hector who urged him on. Ajax ready and waiting there would stab each man with his long, rugged pike. Twelve he impaled point-blank, struggling up the hulls.